This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Let's go! What's up, everybody? Welcome to Binge Town TV. We are here with our finale episodes of Barry. It's the series finale. We covered episodes one through four previously. Now we're covering episodes five through eight with a with a heavy emphasis on episode eight. I think we'll do just because, you know, series finale, it's big. Coming off a huge week of television. Yellow Jacket season two ending. Succession series finale. Ted Lasso series finale. It is a big week for some of these the greatest shows. Again, I'm here with Tyler. He was on last ep. You know I'm from the Silo pod. You know I'm from our Emmy pod. You know I'm from our year-end 2022 pod. He's a star. You know him. We're also here with Zach, his brother, also friend of the pod. He's been on some Marvel shows. Remind me which Marvel shows you've been on for Binge Town. Falcon Winter Soldier, WandaVision. Uh, I think that was it. Okay. Not like Marvel, but there was some Moon Knight. There was some Moon Knight in there. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's true. There was some he's, Moon Knight in there. He's the Marvel King. So uh, welcome the brothers to the pod. And I'm happy to be here as well. Quick reminder. I binged Barry just this year after Tyler's recommendation. So I've binged all four seasons right now, basically. <laughs> These two have been watching for years. So um, they'll have more of a nostalgic take on it, whereas I got to just binge it all and just enjoy it all as one quick series. So um, for now, I'm going to throw it to Team Money, Tyler, to yeah, see no. his thank opinions. You, you. What'd you think? Thank you. Yes. We finally had to get Big Z, Zach my brother out of his Marvel box because this <laughs> Barry has been a show that him and I have been watching from the jump. And it's just one of the constant topics of, you know, catching up about sports or life and talking about Barry. So I know that Kathleen, you have just been running through. So it's almost like you're the rook and we're the vets in this, yep. in this. <laughs> and I wanted him on just to talk about the finale, but also because this is a retrospective on the entire show. And you can't really talk about the finale in the last four episodes without putting it in perspective to thoughts on the series, which in my mind is going down as one of the most unique and iconic TV shows that I've watched. It was a total gut punch watching Succession and this back to back. It was like, I'm glad that I had Monday off yeah, Memorial, thank God it was Day, Memorial Day so, weekend. I could, so I could just <laughs> download for a second, get a rewatch in. But my overall feeling after the finale in one word was satisfaction. It was, in longer words, the feeling that Bill Hader started with something and he, over four seasons, made it what he wanted it to be. He didn't worry about the critics. It went a completely different way than anyone could have guessed when you watched the pilot. And I was completely blown away with his mastery of the characters and he wrapped a bow around all of them in a really satisfying way and had the classic Barry ending that is kind of just like, you know, puts everything into perspective and is funny, but is also sad. And I just, I didn't know how he was going to land the plane, but I thought he landed the plane. You know, it wasn't a bumpy arrival into, into uh, the home stretch there. What did you think, Zach? Yeah, I thought it was absolutely incredible, to be honest with you. I think, um, you know, to steal a line from um, another podcast I enjoy called The Watch, like the best shows kind of teach you how to watch them. So while I could not have predicted anything that happened in the Barry finale, I don't think surprising would be the right word to use it. 
like I to use for it. I think that, you know, to your point, Tyler, like Bill Hader's direction in particular, but also, you know, just the the plot threads that were in place were very true to the characters in a way that both like, yes, it's a series finale, right? It does have a job to essentially kind of codify the statement that the show is trying to make, but it also has to, you know, live in this messy gray area of you know, the particular choices that these characters have been continuing to make and do it in such a way where you're, you are both left in a spot that you, you weren't going to predict, but that feels right. Like I finished the episode, I, I couldn't have guessed any of that. And then I pretty much didn't think there's any other way it could have gone. Uh, so just a very confident, firm, I'm not gonna say a consistent tone because the inconsistency, inconsistency in the tone is part of the appeal and, you know, the joy that watching Barry brings. But like Bill Hader knew exactly what that show was, maybe he didn't know it from the jump. It kind of, he let the characters uh, come to him. And I'm sure there are plenty of other people involved every step of the way, you know, Alec Berg and, you know, all the, all the actors obviously having input into their, their characters. But um, that was, that was Bill Hader, you know, his fingerprints all over that ending. And I just, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. And Kathleen, so you've gotten to see Barry make this evolution in like the course of a month. (laughs) <laughs> so it's probably it was a little bit more alarming to you when you go from season one to two to three to four, the descent uh, that he has. What did you think of the finale and how? Yeah, it I think done? overall, in general, Barry got less goofy, <laughs> less of a satire. And because you know what it is, it's because there's there's no more acting. There's no more acting classes. There's no more like like stupid stuff like that that I enjoyed. Right. But I would say in general for Barry, if this was an hour long drama, I don't know that I could stomach it. (laughs) It's perfect in these 20 to 30 minute bites. And I did the same thing I did for the last four. So I just binged them all at once. So I binged them today. I waited weeks to watch. And it almost had the same effect where um, I said in the episodes one through four, yeah, you know, episode one of the season was seminal. He's in jail. You're like coming back from last season and everything's so depressing. Same with episode five, right? You're seeing these three, John, Sally, and Barry, that they're not even going by their real names. This is Sally's obviously just like dying inside and it is so depressing. But as we get through, as soon as you see Gene and Fuchs and Noho Hank, you're like, all right, here we go. But I'm not going to lie. In episode five, I was like, ooh, I can't take much more of this. This is hurting. But. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with everything you said. By the end, it's exactly how it had to have ended. I didn't do much theorizing besides with Tyler, just guessing where the characters may end up. But I, I thought it was great. I'm really glad of how Barry went, honestly. I thought that was, we'll get there, but I thought it was phenomenal. And I'll miss the characters because these characters just crack me up. Even in times where they shouldn't be cracking me up, they're cracking me up. Specifically, Noho Hank. He is my boy. R.I.P. The boy. <laughs> R.I.P. Um, but no, yeah, no it was Hank, great. Baby. It was fun. Well, you mentioned it. What's probably best is to just quickly talk through the endings for each character and we can compare them to what you and I said in the pod, the last pod, Kathleen, but then that'll give us time to really just talk about the series as a whole. So quickly, Barry and Sally, we thought that they would have a kid. I don't even remember what we said was going to come of Barry and Sally. We were going to, we said that they were, someone was going to track them down, which was wrong. We thought someone was going to like, track them down and make him come out of hiding. Whereas and, yeah. the flip side was he, he would not let Gene tell the story. He would not. Yeah, have and that. with Gene, you know, we, we were thinking that Gene and Robert wisdom's character, uh, Sergeant Moss would be hunting them. But meanwhile, Gene was gone. Gene was gone for the eight years as well. He was on the run and Jim Moss was by all accounts, just kind of lying in wait and still stewing over, the, the unsolved mystery. Noho Hank, we did think Noho Hank would be running shit. Yeah. But I just didn't see <laughs> Noho Ball. Know, I didn't see Noho Ball <laughs> being being what it was. Him running a Fortune 500 company <laughs> was pretty hilarious. So I'm still going to give us a little bit of a point on that one. He wasn't leading the crime world, but he was leading the sand world. And he had still strong ties to crime. 
Yeah, we thought Fuchs would already have been out of jail. Like we came in eight years later and he was just getting out of jail. We predicted that him, Fuchs and Noho were going to be like criming it up for years. Yeah, yeah. They weren't criming it up for years, but a, a small period there where they were flirting with the idea of criming it up. But, yeah. uh, you know, at least it's changed quick in this show. <laughs> exactly. The Raven was a badass, though. We were right about that. Yep. Mm-hmm. He had the goon squad with him. Um, the Ravens flock. The Ravens flock. God, the I blood thought artists. <laughs> what could we have done? What could we have done differently? <laughs> um, One of my favorite things they do on this show is like humanize these bad guys and them sh- sitting around thinking like, oh, I'll take them to a nice meal. Just watch a movie. Put noise canceling headphones. Like they really are trying to help yeah. and, and they're yeah. humanizing <laughs> them and they're making You're them like a goofy. sound bar. You're going to need a sound bar if you want Fast and the Furious. No, no, six. <laughs> yeah. These guys were really screaming. Um, <laughs> and I think with with all of this, we just we mentioned, you know, we've got Fuchs and Hank coming at odds with each other. In the end, because Fuchs is now a badass that knows himself, knows that he was a piece of shit, but that's made him a criminal boss. Noho Hank, who has essentially rewritten the history of what happened to Cristobal and the fact that he killed Cristobal and used that as the foundation for a Fortune 500 company that he built. So literally Fuchs bringing up the fact that he killed Cristobal when they're trying to crime together leads to them having this standoff that we see in the finale, which is a fantastic scene. I, from watching it again, like we've seen over the seasons, how Barry doesn't shy away from doing really hard hitting choreographed scenes, whether it be a chase scene or the fight scenes in season two, that quick explosion of a fight between Noho Hank and Fuchs's army was really well done. Love that. And yeah, meanwhile- just to add to that too, like even while we're watching Barry and we're picking up on a lot of the themes, our poisoned brains from watching so much media, you know, sees Barry getting angry at the end of episode seven. And, and we very logically conclude, oh, Barry's about to light these guys up. Like while in retrospect, in no world was that, was that ever going to happen? The show's, you know, desire to show like this darkly comic and kind of unsettling, like, banality of violence in a way that is not you know actually what we think we want just gets me every time a more schlocky version of that final scene is like guys diving behind the pillars and like these wide angles and stuff and the quick like guys looking left and right like are you gonna shoot first am i gonna shoot like the chaos of what happens the fact that like the guy just like instinctively reaches for a grenade you know, the carnage <laughs> of what's happening. Like it is objectively very silly and funny. And then, but you're, you're horrified by the stark violence that's happening. And I think you say like, Oh, Barry starts off, you know, goofy and then, you know, gets more serious. And it's like, yeah, Barry remains funny, but it's not laugh out loud. Funny. It's like the objectively, the shot of like Barry going to a stand in for Walmart saying guns, the, the wide shot of him walking through the toy aisle, yes. you know, to uh, I, I can't think of the song right now. And then like the funny <laughs> shot of him trying to like fit into the Camry with him strapped to his back and nobody gives him a second look. Like yeah. if somebody asks, like, what is the tone of Barry? That is the scene you show them. Like, yeah, this, this yeah. comic understanding of like this is objectively ridiculous. But like how far removed from reality is this actually that we're so desensitized to violence that that's how, you know, it, it actually looks when when you peel away all the Hollywood bullshit. Yeah, we say, oh, the first episode is so goofy. But as I think about it, I think there's like four assassinations in right. the first in the first twenty five <laughs> right. minutes. Right, of the show. we're like, oh, it was a really goofy scene with Ryan. <laughs> that guy got his brain blown out in the hotel room. That was wacky. <laughs> <laughs> so that's true, and they did give us that with the Noah Hank and Fuge Squad standoff there at the end, which was a great. A great finish for Noho Hank's character, dying by the side of Cristobal's golden statue. But all told, we've got on the other side of this in the epi- in episode seven, Gene Cousineau, who comes from out of nowhere and has this great morality to him, and he's winning the affection of his son, who he shot back. Um, I was glad that his son wasn't dead. I, I did not think his son was dead. That would have been dark even for Barry. That would have been even <laughs> yeah. a little too dark. Yeah. And then and then if he was dead, then we wouldn't have gotten the, the 
headline in the last episode. I found out my father bought my house with drug money. Da, da, so, he da. Shot me. so he shot me. It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. But even Gene, you know, the, his downfall at the end of the day, even when he comes back, he doesn't want to see a Janice Moss movie be made. That's the reason he comes out of hiding. That gets Barry to want to go to L.A. to kill him, to shut him up. It sets all this in motion. But he is, at the end of the day, undid by his own ego and the thought of Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, playing him in a movie. Too enticing. Is too enticing for even Gene Cousineau. I felt for Gene in that scene. And Gene's not innocent, right? But him getting however many years in prison, we find out, because he gets pinned for both Barry and, and Janice's Jan- murder. Like, that is crazy. I'm like, yep. he really didn't do anything but be completely so self-absorbed. And I mean, he took the money. Maybe that's the one crime. But like, wow, I I felt for Gene. I, I, I remember last pod we did, Kathleen, we had that that moment where we were talking about whether we think you know, Sally's character was a victim or not. And the talk about you know, she had terrible things happen to her, but she still reacted in a way that perpetuated her situation. And that's kind of the way that we end it with Gene, right? Like to your point, Gene was a horrible person. We know <laughs> I still find it hilarious that he thinks Tony Dan's is prank calling him at the end there, <laughs> but he's made a lot of enemies with good reason throughout yeah. his acting career. Hollywood makes you a terrible person, right? His big crime is just being a sociopath, being an ego, an egomaniac. At the end of the day, he is going to use Rip Torn's gun to kill himself because his the Chekhov's is- Rip Torn's gun. <laughs> yeah, because his life has come to this. But when confronted with the option to end his own life or take vengeance on Barry, he doesn't hesitate to uh, to give us the the name of episode eight. Wow. He's like, come out of Barry. Oh, wow. Like, so <laughs> bad. Like, but I thought that scene. So Gene Cousineau is the one who kills Barry. It's like we said, not spectacular. It's just a bang, bang. Gives Bar- Barry a chance to say, wow. But it also gives you the chilling image of the camera back up with Gene sitting there. And After Barry- a black screen pause, it, I counted. It lasts like six and a half seconds. It's like almost Sopranos level. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was think like I had to check where we were in the episode because I was Me like, too. is that the is that the final like scene of Barry? What did you <laughs> think about the way Barry the ba- the way Barry went out? Let's go to Kathleen first because she does didn't have as much lo- as long. But Zach, I know you could probably got a good nuanced thought there. I think in general, Barry kind of wanted to go out in a blaze of glory. Like when he was saying prayers and was going to sacrifice himself for John. I think that's the way he wanted to go out. And that would have been like some sort of redemption. But I, I, I'm kind of glad he doesn't get that for himself. I mean, all in all, with the way the movie was there, <laughs> the narrative of the movie is that he's the hero, which is crazy. And and I am to assume he actually was buried at Ar- in Arlington and like whatever. Yeah. So, wow. But I, I'm glad that we know that he didn't really get that because I think it would have been cheap to go out any other way like this is the way he was meant to go out zach what do you think yeah i completely agree and i mean uh, you know let me just gush about the actual like directorial choices in that scene for a second it's been well established the entire episode and i didn't realize until my second viewing the only line gene has in the episode is i was just talking about a movie like the entire second scene he's in when barry comes to the house you know you're in the room you know, they'd already set up earlier in the seasons, like the wall of like collectibles. And I'm sitting there going, this is going to be some like dark. He kills himself and like cracks into like all like the statues and everything. And it's like this, you know, gruesome, darkly comic thing. And the way that the camera pauses on Barry, when like and you know, at the risk of going into kind of my unified theory of, of Barry characters here, like throughout the series, these characters who make objectively bad decisions of varying levels of severity are constantly given an easy way out if they just like come to terms with the fact that they've done something wrong, despite the fact that they themselves may have been wronged. You know, I'm sure Barry's relationship with Fuchs started off honestly enough, but Barry's pulling the trigger. Like 
I'm sure Sally's previous relationship did not justify her being abused, but like she is a self-absorbed and she's a person that that really only cares about, you know, her own success and justifies a fake, you know, story of what actually happened to her to have herself justify it, right? So like the difference in the outcomes of the characters in the final episode comes down to who actually took stock of the decisions that they had made and owned them and who didn't. And it's funny, like you, you start looking back at like episode titles, or at least I do at the end to kind of like bring things together. In the first season, every episode title is like this schmaltzy, like a, a chapter from Gene Cousineau's book. And the ones that stood out to me are like, make the unsafe choice, use it and like know your truth. Whereas in, in season four, the episode title that stands out to me is Tricky Legacies, which is exactly what happens to Barry's outcome. Like that, it freezes on Barry in that scene because to get back to how they set up Cousineau, right? You're, you in the back of your mind think Cousineau's going to kill himself. Tom gives Barry the truth that uh, Sally and John weren't there. He could really help Cousineau if he turns himself in. Pauses on Barry. Barry asks, and you're sure there was no kid here? And you as the viewer are sitting there going like, Okay, he's just going to leave. Like that's him just changing the subject. He's not going to come to terms with it. But then you realize, wait a minute, Barry actually is having a change of heart. But it wasn't when he was given the out by Sally the night before to actually do the right thing. It was only when faced with the, the reality that, hey, he and Sally have been on the run for 10 years. Like he pro- she's picked up a thing or two. He's probably not ever going to see her again. And now with nothing else to to lose. Okay, well, he can justify to himself that now he's making the right choice. But like, you can keep kicking the can on making the right choice until it's too late, and then you're fucking dead. And it, like the the composition of shot cut to to Barry being shot. Wow, boom, cut to black. I mean, absolutely sensational. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that was a. I don't think there's much else that needs to be said on that scene. I thought it was a great end to Barry. And then we get into the the last piece before we just go into more of the legacy of, of the show is we do another jump forward. We see John as a high school student for all the things you just said about Sally. You know, she's got to own it, but and she wants Barry to own up, but Sally doesn't own up. She goes in they're in somewhere on the you imagine the Midwest or the or the East Coast because it's snowing. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's still got that same glow in her face when she's getting applause for oh. her high for, for our town. I'm such an R town head. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, she is very much, you know, I think the whole reason they give you the AP history teacher hitting on her after that scene is to show you that she's not the same person anymore. You know, Sally that we knew would have been eating that up, but she's just doing her job, getting home, making sure John is safe. But her breakthrough that she did have with John when they were in captivity with NoHo Hank has clearly kept evolving. And now she is, by all by all accounts, a great mother, right? Or or a good mother, we don't know. Um, let, me, right. let me ask you a question. So I this was one of the most intriguing parts of this last four episodes to me so sally's obviously like i said dying inside she's pretty much astral projecting in every scene she doesn't want to be there she's getting wasted she's Mm -hmm. a bad mom right she's not like there's a point where he comes into bed with her because he's scared of bit dying by the hand of a baseball and (laughs) and he she just pats him like this like she's absolutely icked by him right and then so that's that so my first question is do you think it's the situation and that she's like having this kind of like it's almost like a postpartum thing, but he's now nine years old. Do you think it's the situation that's making him not her not really love him or connect with him? Or do you think Sally could really never connect with a kid regardless of the situation? Well, and I'll I'll say my piece quickly. I do like one of the most important scenes in the finale, in my opinion, is when her back is when it's filmed with the back of her and the back, back of John's John head at NoHo Hanks. And she says, we are fugitives. Your father kills people. I killed someone like we're not good people. That's the first time that she's ever tr- truthful with John. Right. And with herself and with herself more to, to that point. Right. And what does John give her when she's true? Whenever, when her whole life she's had abusive yeah. men, 
you know, abusive people in Hollywood, directors, agents, misogyny, misogyny. She gives her truth to John and John gives her unconditional love, unconditional love, which to me, when the whole rest of the episode, that that is what why I'm saying I think she actually becomes a, a good mother because she had John's best interests in mind when she takes him away from Barry. Even when the shootout happens and she's looking for John, she was able to save herself. So I do agree with you. Like he was at first an unfortunate consequence of her terrible surroundings that multiple spirals in her life had led her to. And every move that they make and every new acting role she takes on as a waitress or retail, whatever it may be, he is just a consequence of that. But in that moment, she saw the unconditional love that comes from her kin. So that's why I did feel a connection when they were in the, you know, quickly talking and just, are you going to get home? Okay. She values opinion. Was it good? Yeah, so this is where I kind of disagree. Like, he says, I love you, and she can't even say it back. I agree. And she's still so self-absorbed. What she wants from him is is to say, hey, was I good tonight? Was I okay? Did everything go well? I I think I've seen some things where it's like, wow, she finally, like, is, like, warm with him. I'm like, no, I disagree. I I think she cares for him, and I think he's all she has. But I don't think that she's, like, a warm mother. Like, I think she's. I, yeah. I think you're spot on with that, Kathleen. Like, and like going back to the scene you talked about Tyler with like the directorial choice of John's head and then her turning to the camera. I literally like teared up with when Sarah Goldberg said like, I'm a bad person. I deserve what happens to me, but you don't like that. The delivery of that was so good. And like, I, I also called, are you going to be able to make it through this pod Zach or. <laughs> I mean, if we start talking about more know-how, more know-how Hank stuff, I might, I might lose my shit. <laughs> but I, I absolutely seize on what you said there, Kathleen, with like, look, taking it back to your original question, right? We can probably guess that John was either like unplanned or like, you know, Barry insisted and she just lost the will to, you know, say that she didn't want to have a kid. And her entire way of coping with what they got into was for her to keep putting on a mask, like playing different roles and just kind of amusing herself with what she was doing with that waitressing role. And you can assume because they were on the run multiple times, she probably had, you know, other quote unquote roles along, along the way. But like, I think what Fuke says to Noho Hank kind of unlocks the whole thing for everybody. She cannot truly love him until she like comes to terms with what she did and stops, you know, acting or justifying it to herself. She does do that in that moment when she's talking to him. But then, like, you know, when we flash forward, like, okay, hey, she's gotten him to safety. You know, he's there watching her play of his own volition. Like, clearly, she's she's cared for him. She has provided for him. But, like, he says, I love you. And she's too preoccupied with, was it good? Like, looking for validation. So there's just always going to be an element to her that is uh, completely, you know, wrapped up in, in, other people's opinions of her mattering more than her knowing her own truth, even mm-hmm. with her own son. No, that's a good, that's a good point. Yeah. The, the lack of, I love you is, uh, is pretty bad there. I get, I get where you guys are coming from. And I think, I don't know. What is a good mother? Is it someone that just provides and keeps you safe? Or is it someone that actually loves you? I'll yeah. take, I'll take both if I can have it, but you know, I don't think it's meant to be damning of her. It's just a reminder yeah. that like she's she, like there's plenty of times in the show where she's like not a particularly likable character. And oh, then yeah, and like unlike the, the Hollywood show. ending that we get, they're not interested in sanitizing her her character defects. She's still got them. And we know that she's still hiding the past from or John. at least to distorting the past from John by not letting him see that movie mm-hmm. and actually having a conversation about it. You know, I thought it was interesting and we'll go in the movie. The movie's hilarious. I mean, it's just it's just so good. I love when he walks in on the fake Cusino and Ryan Madison, Ryan Madison. the <laughs> and they're like all in. And like together. scruff looking guy clearly meant to be playing no is there too. <laughs> yeah. Um I thought that was so great. And in true Barry fashion, it ends and as the viewer, you're like, well, he was eight when this 
terrible thing happened. So like he still knows that Barry wasn't the best guy. So you're almost looking for his facial for his facial recognition and he smiles. Um, what did you, Kathleen, what did you think about the last scene? Did you think that they earned the importance of John having him only being in the show for such a short time? No, I think a lot of it, we, we talked about Barry was always imagining himself through the seasons with kids or with a kid, mm-hmm. yeah. marrying Sally, having a baby, something. So I didn't, I liked it. I liked it. And I think um, if you're going to do a flash forward, that's the only thing to make it more interesting because it sets up something that like Barry cares about more than himself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed it. And I, I, I'm happy for John that in the last scene, the movie scene, they did set him up like that because regardless of how terrible Barry is, just like Sally said, like, you don't deserve this. You're not a bad person. So even if, if there's a, a biopic made of Barry and he's just like a terrible, awful, a serial killer assassin, that just sets John up for failure. Like, ignorance is bliss. Let, let's keep him, you know, as ignorant as possible. But, you know, there's I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit worried that John doesn't drink in high school, Kathleen. Yeah. <laughs> Because I don't want him to, I don't want him to blow a lid in college. (laughs) We don't know. We all know what can happen. (laughs) We've all three of us know what can happen in that situation. (laughs) Elio's pizzas can be lost. (laughs) Zach there. And the reason I bring it up is reading some of the critique pieces about the finale. One of the critiques, I can't remember who. I think it was Alan Seppenwall on Hollywood Reporter didn't. He liked the episode on the whole, but didn't care for the. Yeah, most like, people like the episode, but part of the nitpick of it was that they would have much rather see Sally or someone like that be the person that ends it. They didn't feel enough connection with John. What did you think? No, I thought that I thought that John was the exact right way to end it, and I thought that while that the mask collector was objectively funny. <laughs> While I'm watching it, knowing also what it's saying about what the point of the show was, I, you know, I didn't crack a smile because I think what they're going for with John there, or at least what landed for me, is that the whole show is trying to make the statement on the destructive outcomes of like the lies we tell ourselves to justify or like deal with the trauma of shitty behavior, whether it was stuff we did or stuff that happened to us. And over and over again, the five main characters of Barry, Sally, Cousineau, Fuchs, and Noho Hank are going back and forth and ping-ponging around between shit that happens to them that's not their fault and then them essentially making it worse by doubling down and you know justifying that bad behavior to themselves but like back to sally's speech like i'm a bad person i deserve what happens to me but you don't right but like barry is like unflinching to a level of like including this poor child in the direct effects of of what they've done he doesn't get like shunted off to the side you know it's not like you know vincent the dog in lost where you don't see him for two seasons at a time well he's right in the middle of it so i think that the lesson you're, you're taking away from the ending there is like everything about these characters who didn't make it through is, is damning them for not coming to terms with what they did or, or or like trying to you know have a sanitized lie about the things that happened to them well in the case of john like none of that was his fault right so like Barry going down in the public consciousness as a hero is like a horrifying thing because we know that's that couldn't be further from the truth. And I think to your point about him being eight, like yeah, this part of him that remembers that can't be right. But like, is it not easier for him if he can believe that? My daughter, like she'll see something and say, is that guy a good guy or a bad guy? Our mind cannot deal with some of these nuances of, of violence. You want to like construct a narrative for it. Is that not making John better off to at least let him think that his dad wasn't so bad? Yeah. And that's and that's what Hollywood wants us to do. You know, Janet, Jim Moss was so committed to getting justice for Janice Moss that he got so absorbed in trying to bring down Cousineau that the outcome for her was worse than the original draft of the movie. Yeah, very true. Agreed. And look, we've got Noho Hank, you know, dying in a shootout to Fuchs next to Cristobal's golden statue. Fuchs getting to essentially you know, make right with Barry as much as he can to protect John and and give him back. Barry dying at the hands of Cousineau. Cousineau being a murderous POS that goes to prison for the rest of his life. And Sally and John living happily ever after in, I don't know, some suburb outside of Boston. All told, one of the things that Kathleen, that you mentioned earlier, and, and I, when I, I want to talk about the series as a whole a bit. Because something that's that I've had multiple people say to me, you just said it. A lot of my friends that are watching the show have said it is 
Man, the show really, the humor for it really dropped off and it became more of a drama. The stakes got higher. In one of the first seasons, I think uh, Bill Hader did some podcasts and he said his favorite directors were the Coen brothers. And right then and there, to me, I was like, oh, wow. And now if someone says, do you think I would like Barry? I asked them, do you like the movie Burn After Reading? Because it's like the same exact humor. When you were saying like episode five was, which I, I, I'm i with you. I can see how it would be like really hard to get through. Watch. <laughs> For me, I'm like, <laughs> I'm cracking up when like John and him are standing in the field. He's like, look at what everything God has <laughs> given us. <laughs> it's just dust. <laughs> like, it's just, I, I find the humor of this show in the little moments. And I don't know. I, I I personally still think this is like one of the funniest shows that I've watched. It had like such a great ending. What is your overall thought on the comedy side of it? Kathleen, are you not getting a lot of, a lot of, a lot of knee slaps mid episode? Listen, uh, <laughs> if it's no hang, if it's Gene, you know, Barry's the one that has the like drier humor that, there are things that are said that make me laugh. Just the, the idea of him being like little eager breaks neck colliding with wall. Like that <laughs> shit's hilarious. But, it, but you know, it's small moments like that where, you know, this is a funny show. It's, it's like, I keep saying goofy, but in not actually goofy. I think it's great, but some of the tone is for me, is just a little depressing. Like Barry turning to like religion and all this stuff. I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> Zach, like which me, one of which one of Barry's three religious podcasts did you identify with? You know, most? I think Bill Burr really did it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Burr, the retired ice hockey the player ice hockey that player. killed a guy. <laughs> That's what God told me. This is okay. Murder is not a sin. Murder is not a sin. Got it. Bingo. Got it. <laughs> But like even stuff like like you pull up and the and the company's name NoHo Ball like things like that where you're like this is great I love it but I think you <laughs> probably me and you have probably a little different sense of humor right this is this is different from other shows I watch that are like blatantly funny yeah and right that's setting up gags yeah although yeah, that's Barry me, does have a few gags but yeah. yeah that's me acknowledging that it that the humor of the show is not only very much like niche but it is also the particular niche that bill Hader, when you hear him as a person speak it's like exactly what he finds funny which you know maybe five percent of people find laugh out loud <laughs> funny probably get more of a kick when when zach or i are giving my rendition of it but yeah that's very true i do laugh more when you <laughs> but let me ask you a question this isn't really on the humor part of it for Sally, when she is seeing the guy dressed in black in the house and then the cop's eyeball, she's imagining these things, right? Like she destroyed the house herself. No one was in the house, right? I think they definitely leave it up to the possibility. Um, I'm blanking on his name, but the guy that she uh, yeah. screwed over. I think it broke into her house. Bevel. Bevel. Yeah. <laughs> Bevel, she's seeing like a you know like a fever dream drunk like rendition of of what happened it may have been much more like banal than that but i think it is entirely possible that he was in the house oh okay yeah i i took it as bevel did like ram his car him and his crazy ass cousin like <laughs> rammed their car into the house but some of the extra stuff that she was that Sally was seeing was more of like the drunken stupor. I don't think it's also a coincidence that if you watch the scene of her trying to hold up against the dresser with the wall breaking down with the car ramming into it, next to Noho Hank trying to pull his uh his handcuffs off the wall in the finale of season finale three season with three. the tiger about to break through. There's a lot of similarities to it's that. Inverted. Yeah. yeah. It's like an inverted version of that. So I took it as Bevel did come after her and fuck her house up. But in her drunkenness, she was like, Holy shit. I got to get the hell out of here. Okay. That makes more sense. I was just like slightly not unsure of what was happening it makes sense that it's more like a dramatized drunken I, like whatever she's imagining I we can could also be wrong i don't know yeah. i can see the whiteboard of breaking down the episodes of like okay well like we you know here's episode five can be standalone 
Barry's going to leave in episode six. We got to give her a reason to be in LA by episode seven. And Bill Hader's like, let me cook. Like, I got something for you. <laughs> like, we, we got to do it in a way where people don't really think twice about whether we ever go back to that house again or not. And he's like, I, I got you. <laughs> what about the cop's eye? She's seeing the, the biker that she that she killed. Understood. Yep. Understood. The same, there was just a normal cop standing there, but, you know, she wasn't able yeah, to have an actual I, okay. interaction with the man. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. The same baby in in on her return flight to Joplin that you saw. <laughs> yeah. <if> you <laughs> call back to uh episode, episode two. one or episode two. Episode yeah. one, I guess. I think it was one, yeah. Another thing is um before Noho Hank died, seems like he saw something pretty scary. As he was dying, he looks like fucking petrified as if he was like going to hell or something i I think fuchs is kind of like the closest thing in the entire series of somebody having a line that says like this is what it's about like it close up in on him it's like i realized i was a man with no heart and it wasn't until i stopped bullshitting myself right like why does noho hank die he cannot drop the mask he cannot stop bullshitting himself that it was his fault so then i think what i took that final gas for is like you know in his final moments of like reaching for comfort after what he did he reaches for Chris Paul's hand and the realization that it's just the statue is him coming to terms with the fact that, yes, I did kill him, but it's too late. Same exact yeah. thing as Barry. Like, he, okay, yeah, sure. He's going to turn himself in only after he had already gone too far the other way, too late. And, you know, with, with Noho Hank, right, the juxtaposition of him getting this, like, you know, centered shot of, like, him, you know, holding the statue with, you know, I thought that was kind of cool with the with the exact contrast of Barry where all throughout the series he's daydreaming or when he's near death, he's having these like, you know, pseudo religious moments of like the the beach scene and what's life's going to be like for him when he dies. But like when it comes time for him to actually die, he's just dead. Like it's black. He's dead. There's no more repenting. There's no other greater, greater storyline to this. He's dead. You know, you know, no ho Hank. Okay. Yeah. Like here's this, this shot of him holding this the statue of Chris the Ball's hand and it's perfectly you know positioned in the screen. All right, well, somebody's gonna come in and clean up the bodies and just like you know throw them in the trash, right? Like it, you're you're dead. It's over. Yeah. Damn. While we're while we're on while we're talking about questions, just going back to your question with Sally's freak out there. In episode six, when Fuchs gets out of prison, he picks up a uh a way. Like a front desk clerk at a Starbucks or whatever it is. And that's his girl. Do you think that we're supposed to take that as they had like conjugal like relationship while he was in prison or he just picks her up? And then in the same episode, is like, I got a family. I got a daughter. <laughs> Go to Pepperdine. <laughs> I think it's I the latter. I think it's the latter. <laughs> <laughs> I I thought the same, but I was like, it's just. I mean, they have set, they have laid the breadcrumbs that Fuchs is able to essentially find relationships anywhere he goes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That, that also cracked me up. Picking nits. So I want to pick a nit. And Zach and I have talked about this, but I wanted to get your thoughts, Kathleen, because maybe during the binge, it's a little bit. There's, there's a cut, there's two main things from these last four episodes that, I really want this writer's strike to end for a myriad of reasons, (laughs) but one of which is so that I can hear Bill Hader do a podcast about these last four episodes. (laughs) First one, when Gene returns, he tells his his son, asks him, do you still have the same phone number? And he says, no, I got a new phone. Let me give it to you. Pretty innocuous. Yeah. Like pretty innocuous line. So how the hell did Sally know his number when she landed? Doesn't I, make any fucking sense. Yeah. You know, my nitpick about this scene is I agree with you. And my nitpick was like, man, they must have some pretty good, like fake, fake lives now. Like they got all new fake IDs and things like that, because how did they get John on a plane and how did they book those tickets? <laughs> I was like really thinking the logistics of how they got to LA for real. But yeah, I agree. Ty. I can That's- even, I can get past that part because it's not, ex- so at least that we can say as the viewer, Oh, they probably had like Barry's got yes. a fake, you know, blah, blah, they blah. do take artistic license when they, when it's like, funny. Yeah, but like <laughs> they, they, Added in the fact that Gene had a new cell phone immediately, totally like in the, 
it was for comedic effect for him. Yeah, but it honestly isn't even that funny of a line. So I right. just don't understand why it's a continuity error, which is really rare in the four, you know, the four seasons of Barry, if anything, are every scene is like makes total sense and is really purposeful. thought out and, and purposeful. So that was one. And two, I get that Jim Moss is supposed to be really taken aback and the every the wheels are turning when he puts two and two together that Gene has $250,000. But this is a guy who literally made like terrorists when he was a prisoner of war kill themselves. <laughs> We're meant to think that he just leaves Barry, takes the VR headset off of him, leaves him, and leaves the knife out. I just, with everything you've given me with Jim Moss, I just can't see how that would happen. I agree. Like we all want Barry to get out in that scene. Like it, you know, the 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 better outcome is that he does get out. It is just tough where you've established Jim Moss as like very meticulous, very capable. I can understand why you want to drive home the point that he's consumed with taking down Gene. You know, he he's telling the, you know, in some ways, even though he hasn't done anything overtly wrong, you know, he's telling a lie to himself about how he's like this truth crusader, but it's really just that like he sniffed out Gene from the jump and he wants to just like be right about it, even to the detriment of the actual person who did the deed. But like, like put like some kind of like, ridiculous gag in there as to how he gets out rather than just making Jim yeah, Moss look it like he's incompetent. You have could have had hilarious. the same outcome with a different execution. Yeah, wouldn't it have been hilarious if like a cord from the VR headset is what he uses to get out and like right. you would believe it because Jim Moss is an older guy and he's probably not used to using the VR, but like I don't know. That, did you when you're watching it and binging it that quickly, Kath, Kathleen, did you, did that stick out to you or... No, I, to be honest, I thought he was watching something in the other room. Like the whole time Barry's making noise, I'm like, stop. Like he's big, he rips the paper towel and I was like, oh, stop. Yeah. And then he just passes out there and I'm like, wow, there's going to be a scene where Jim just comes in and is like, the fuck and puts him back on <laughs> on the chair. So I had more questions in in other ways. I think I was more concerned with those things. But now that you're spelling it out, yeah, that makes total sense. That it was pretty anticlimactic him getting out. I think yeah. they there could have been a gag. And yeah, like they needed been. they wrote it and they were like, okay, we need Barry to get out, but for some reason be incapacitated at his house for this episode. So Sally and John can get abducted. So Sally and John can get abducted and they can confront Cousineau and the timeline matches up. But it just seems like it was uncharacteristically ham fisted. I don't know if the writer strike was starting to happen and they were putting some yeah. joking, but <laughs> it, it was, it was not, that was like very much unbarry like, cause yeah, there is it, not anything else in the show I can think of. If that was no ho Hank, you wouldn't think twice about it. Right. But like Jim Moss is the character, despite everybody else's kind of like kooky, like asides or like things they do that are kind of, you know, uh, like self-sabotaging. He's the only one who's been, had it all together the whole time through. So that that's the biggest narrative lift to make him be the one who who trips up. Look, I mean, the other way we can look at this is four seasons of literally like some of the most thoughtful scene by scene television. If they get two little continuity problems, it's yeah. probably <laughs> a that's a pretty good run. But I've been trying to figure out a way to tweet it, Bill. I might get I might get Jim. Jim's been <laughs> yeah, booking Jim a reach lot out of his PR for the pod, <laughs> so maybe he'll be able to get it. Get it, Bill Hader. Uh, but I, I got to know what what was happening in the in the production with that one. Well, I look, will say a big. This is random and stupid, but my big guess from last episode was that there was going to be some sort of billboard with that actress's face on it that she was the star. They did have Darcy Carden. You and then Tyler, you, were right. you guessed. Yeah, you were right. Well, I guess the dark. I guess the other girl, the blonde girl. You, you, you were the one who was like, "Yeah, she may be like on a soap that Sally's like sadly watching." Which you were right, but it ended up being her like old assistant, Darcy Darcy Carden's character. I can't remember her name, 
that was good enough for me. But I was like, damn, why didn't they have that blonde girl in there? And, and Kathleen, you, you also didn't guess the movie poster for Larry Larry Chowder, the magical boy. So, you know, you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you didn't get that Larry one, right? Chowder. What was the what was the poster for um for the for the blonde woman? Was it uh, uh, it was Mega Girls 4, it was right? Mega, it, I was like, which Mega Girls was it? <laughs> Again, one of the Still, one of the funniest things to me is that her movie is called her movie franchise is called Mega Girls, directed <laughs> directed by the woman who who directed Coda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Larry Chowder. That was a. Uh, those are the things that I that I love hearing from Bill Hader because he had a story about how someone had pitched that as a movie, as a movie in their world, like seasons ago and they called back and used it for that poster just so good <laughs> look we've been we've been on this for for about an hour i think we've covered the majority of the last four but i think it's for me a good time to talk about larry just or <laughs> about i'm thinking about larry crowder about barry in the pantheon of television because you know i know succession is a bit more of a phenomenon, but those two ending back to back was a real gut punch for your boy. <laughs> um, Zach, how are you going to remember Barry in the pantheon of shows that you like? I mean, I'm still kind of riding the high, you know, so uh, time, time will tell, but uh, I think it's in my top five TV series I've ever watched. I think that it is a, a singular vision Whoa. of, Whoa. you know, obviously a whole cast and crew and a lot of talented actors, but like, yeah, I think your Cohen brothers point of spot on like the, the, the tone and, and the directorial choices. It, there's nothing else like it on TV. It makes me, you know, it's hysterical, uh, deeply. There's things that are upsetting because they like jump scare you or because they're particularly like harsh in the moment. Barry just kind of sits with you. Like Barry's just like very stark in in, in showing you violent and I've seen plenty of violent things, but like the violence in Barry, because it's so, um, you know, purposeful and like contemplative makes me a little more uncomfortable than many other things I've watched. And, you know, just specific scenes, you know, the chase scene in seven, 10 and in, in season three, the Ronnie Lilly, you know, scenes in season two, pretty much, you know, everything about the finale. I mean, they're, they're all going to stick with me long after, uh, you know, long after the, the show has ended. Top five. Whoa. Kathleen, what about you? It's a bold statement. Yeah. Uh, not for me. I, I, the top five. I mean, it's, it's a great show. I loved it. Um, I haven't binged I, enough TV. Apparently I gotta, I gotta get in the binge town archives and try to go uh, out that top five. Yeah. Like just comparing it to succession. I, I was just saying succession is a show I'll watch again. And that's, that's a commitment. You know, it's full hour episodes, 10 episodes, a season, but whereas Barry, I'm not sure I'll watch it anytime soon. I, I really liked the binge of it. It's one of those things where, like you guys said, there's nothing else like it on TV. And I'm really excited for what Bill Hader does next. It's the type of thing that makes me go, damn, this guy's good. And yeah. I can't wait to see what he does next because I'll definitely watch that. And then I'll watch his next thing and his next thing. And then other people who were involved with the show are inspired by Bill and everyone else then to create something else that's cool and unique. So um, I think that's where it sits with me. So glad I watched it. It's one of those ones where I knew I needed to because it's like I have a TV podcast. I'm embarrassing if I don't watch this like really honestly, <laughs> critically acclaimed show. So I'm thrilled to have watched it on Tyler's recommendation. So um, yeah, all, all so you're obligated. And then the fact that you liked it, it's just the cherry on top, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that was. <laughs> Wasn't even at the end of the year pod. I didn't even stick you with that. I stuck Jim with watching the bear. I don't even think he's done that yet. So <laughs> yeah, the bear you're, the, you're the you're the real you're the real sibling from that family that I can get behind. For me, got yeah, to Zach's point. It's really tough. You know, we have everybody on this pod. Whether you're talking about Barry Succession, anything has recency bias. So I I don't know you know where it sits in my you know. Pan, Mount Rushmore, whatever you want to call it. But what I will say is I think it is maybe the most impressive directorial debut that I've that I've witnessed. And every show that really sticks out nowadays to me at least are these original shows. And when we look at something like Succession, 
which is fantastic. It's the best, might be the best writing that's ever been in a television. But like, Succession is a show that I don't know if they're going to be remaking anything like that anytime soon, right? Having that much access to travel around, that much dialogue. Where for me, Barry is something that I'm hoping more directors that have thoughts really jump on and embrace and try and recreate and make their own Barry because we need more what these algorithms and this world of bullshit Netflix and Hulu shows has taught us all. What's the streaming service called in Barry's universe? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. What is it? God, Banshee. it's um Banshee. Yeah. <laughs> Banshee. Is the <laughs> yeah. The the algorithm in Banshee lo- loves desserts. If we can get a dessert in the first <laughs> dessert. Past that three minutes. <laughs> I think this is kind of what we as viewers can hope to expect more realistically from original content moving forward. That's, and that's to me like the impre- the big impression of this show is that, you know, this didn't have Star Wars universe to pull from or the Murtals that the, the Murtal family that it's going, that it's replicating. This is just a freaking crazy idea with really unique characters created by a guy and he just zoned in on some characters and and really wrote something pretty unique and beautiful for them so yeah we we really like appreciate when people kind of have like the entire like tapestry of a show mapped out and that that's a skill in of itself but like i'm sure alec berg and bill Hader had a pitch they ran with it but then like this show is completely the opposite of those right we Whenever we're talking about like more of these like sagas and mystery, like, you know, we're talking, Jim and I were talking to the creator of Silo and I love to watch a mystery where I know that the the creator made the whole thing with the ending in mind. But with Barry, because it's not that mystery, it's a show that totally nails the fact that it just changed things throughout, right? Like Noah Hank was written the initial script that HBO bought. Noah Hank was dead in the first episode. That's just an example of literally, and he was, you know, yeah. probably the most like impactful character to a lot of. Yeah. People. And then Anthony Kerrigan gets on set, and Bill Hader's like, "Well, no, no, we can't waste this guy." And can he just yeah. have the freedom to do Anthony it? Anthony you know? Kerrigan's career is going to be in a totally different spot, and I think that's the unique thing is just the ability for the show to really, you know, to see what what was happening in the middle of it and kind of adapt. Yeah, come on HBO really just cool. get some get some all tour directors in there and just like let them figure it out as they go damn <laughs> listen I'm glad that you two who are have been watching for years loved it I'm I'm more happy for you than myself I enjoyed it too <laughs> but I'm more happy for you guys just a couple just a couple Barry heads and uh you know I'm I'm happy that uh you jumped on for the binge and gave us an outlet to to gush about this show because I think it it deserves that. Yeah, it was it was nice to listen through you guys who have a more like analytical lens on this show than I would. So I appreciate the brothers coming on. We should do it more often. Well, my pleasure. Yeah, Zach's 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 got to line up with a couple more shows with us. Agreed. Well, any any parting shots or are we good to close? Let's close it down. I will I was, say I was going to say line. something about Dave and Buster's. Um, <laughs> but Wait, there was. It's the best place on earth. <laughs> they don't. They don't come back to Dave and Buster's. I thought that the, maybe they would have like a meetup at Dave and Buster's. Oh, <laughs> they don't go back to it, but they do have a. They do have a quote, right? It says it somewhere. It's like I wish every day was every day could be David Buster. Yeah, yeah, yeah small. that's what it's like. <laughs> it's walking through no hope. On the last at thing, I'm, what I'm going to leave this pod with is. The scene with the four assassins that Noho Hank hires. The Foo Bucks. <laughs> the Foo Bucks. That that I think was maybe one. It was my favorite scene from these last four episodes. Why am I still <laughs> opening these? <laughs> oh, you know this guy can get it. <laughs> and I'll leave with this quote: "We either do this, or we drop John off in an orphanage and kill ourselves." <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a that's a perfect way to close us out. All right, so. 
like we said in the beginning, Tyler is doing a silo pod with the man, the myth, the legend, Jimmy Pa, who um, is a obviously famous binge show member um, and silos on Apple TV. If you're not watching, there's five episodes out. The sixth one drops this weekend, maybe even tonight at nine or something like that. Maybe it's already out. But that's a great show. It's a mystery. It's cool. It's based on um, it's based on a book series. So, you know, it's got it's coming off a of good content. So it's going to be good. And Stick we, the just, landing. we we just dropped a pod that I'm happy to say just showed up 40 minutes ago on my feed. Jim and I were able to interview Hugh Howie, who authored the wool and silo book series that the show's created on. So. We've got a lot of a lot of people coming out of the woodwork to to listen to some silo pods. Love it. Definitely get and, on board. And he's a big Sixers fan, so go listen if you're from the Philadelphia area. Um, and also Succession. You know, it just ended, but we just posted our last podcast yesterday. We might do another fun pod. Maybe we'll steal Tyler for that one. Um, we're trying to figure out how to crank out more Succession content because we just had so much fun with it. If you're listening to this Barry episode on the Succession feed, then you can follow Town TV on all your streaming sites because that will have every episode we ever drop for any show will be on there so you won't miss anything. Anything for, We dropped the Barry episodes on the Succession feed just because it's HBO and we'll also drop it on Town TV. Um, lastly, we finished Yellow Jackets. Uh, we got The Witcher coming up soon when that drops. I think it's end of June, something like that. Um, but then we're going to try and do some more fun episodes just because television-wise, right now, everything just ended. Everything we were covering, it was like nonstop episodes. Um, so we're just waiting for the next shows to drop. So we'll be doing some like fun, maybe catch-up series, things like that. We may be doing True Detective Season 1 etc because true detectives coming out later this year um but yeah so smash the subscribe button you won't miss a thing and you can go to our youtube too to look at our beautiful faces um but yeah that's all i got for y'all uh thanks for listening thanks again for zach topping on tyler's been pulling triple duty this week and we appreciate it so uh we are binge on tv plus the brothers and thanks for listening starting now <laughs> nice <laughs> You're listening to the Geekscape Network.